Welcome to a new episode of the Cigar Snob ASMR podcast. Oh boy. I am Nick Jimenez and I am joined by Eric Calvino. That's me. (laughs) And Ivan Ocampo. Hi everybody. Alright, on this episode of the podcast, we will be um, maybe whispering a little more, maybe not, I don't know. Smoking a Nicaraguan puro. Stay tuned to find out which one that is. Uh, and also talking about a bunch of other stuff. We're ta- we are going to talk dirty socks. We're going to talk uh, maybe a little E. coli. We're going to talk uh, spray-on hair. All kinds of stuff. Puerto Rico cockfighting. Puerto Rico cockfighting. Oh, we're, we're all over the place on this episode. But first, a word from episode sponsor, Drew Estate. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense, plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera, and presented in five vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. Welcome back. It's just been brought to my attention that some people may not know what ASMR is. I already forgot what it's an acronym for. Uh, hang on a second. Uh, uh, asymmetric. No, no, that was yeah. just me messing around calling it asymmetric. It's autonomous. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sensory, Sensory. Meridian Meridian response. response. Yes. So uh, this is a thing that at least I only recently learned about. I had no idea what this was uh very uh, even recently. more recently uh and apparently <laughs> this is a, apparently this is a very uh popular genre of youtube video uh among, among freaks I, I don't i don't know how i mean some, well i, I would have thought among freaks but some of these people have a big enough audience but it's basically a lot of whispering and crackly noises and uh, listen your cousin has 1.5 million this is true subscribers. yes so i shared uh, a vice story about asmr um and then after I shared it, my uncle let me know that, uh, just for the sake of letting people know like what the relationship is, that, that his uh, wife's niece is this like ASMR star. So I'm going to see if I can get myself an autograph or something. She is cute. If you say yeah. so. Yeah, she is. Uh, well, I can say so. Yeah, whatever. Uh, uh, whatever. Uh, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but what cigar... Are we lightly scratching today? <laughs> we- okay, for people to get those jokes, they're going to have... Because if you were doing that and I had no idea what the yeah. hell these ASMR videos were like, it would make <laughs> zero sense to me. So do yourself a favor and just yeah. like go to YouTube and, yeah. and just search for ASMR video. Yeah. You'll see the, the wackiness of it. Right, right. Uh, but yes, a lot of this. Yeah. A lot of whispering and light finger-touching of things for the sounds. Um, so what we are scratching lightly today is El Güegüense in Robusto. <laughs> scratching El Güegüense lightly. That scratching sounds my That sounds very close to something else, but continue, please. <laughs> We're scratching our Güegüenses here at the Cigar Snob Podcast. This it's Nick- better than scratching Puerto Rican cockfighting. That's... <laughs> <laughs> You've got a bigger problem on your hands if you're lightly scratching your well, Puerto Rican cockfights. <laughs> uh, it is a Nicaraguan puro made by Aganorsa, formerly known as Tabsa. Uh, 
Formerly known as Casa Fernandez. Formerly, yeah. Well, there's so many formerly, formerly known as Tabacalera Galera Tropical. Uh, so, uh, again, it's a five and a half by 50. It's a Nicaraguan puro. Uh, and this is uh, made at Aganorsa uh, for Foundation Cigar Company, which is uh, Nick Melillo's uh, company. So, uh, where are we on this? We, we started smoking it a little bit farther ahead of turning the mics on than usual. Indeed. So, you're, you're catching us... You know, pretty well into the thing, maybe about an inch or so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I've always enjoyed this cigar, and, and to be fair, I enjoy a lot of cigars from Aganorsa. Uh, yeah, so it's got it's it's creamy, it's balanced, it's got cedar, leather notes, little touch of uh, cinnamon, and in my case, because of what I had for lunch, <laughs> it's still smelling on my hands. It's got some honey mustard to it. But. I just I can't get that smell out of my hands right now. Ivan, getting a little strength from it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I right. It, I think it's probably medium plus, perhaps. I'm glad I had I had lunch. I didn't have honey mustard, but I did have some lunch because this might affect me a little bit. But so far, it's tasting delicious. Cool. I, I think. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, especially the the cinnamon, some of that leather, yeah. the wood, um, and. And I think one of the one of the things that always comes to mind, and this is a total like branding thing, but kudos on doing the branding thing right in the sense that the brand is so Nicaraguan in like the imagery and the identities and all that, uh, the identity of the brand and what they're trying yeah, to the say. Yeah, the name is. And this is like this is a cigar that I would have somebody smoke if they were like, oh, what does a Nicaraguan cigar taste like? This, uh, certainly, that can be a lot of different things, but this is in that wheelhouse of like this is. Nicaraguan profile for me. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, there's a couple ways you can go with that, right? But but that this is certainly on the higher end of, of what you can call a very Nicaraguan cigar. Right? You can also go towards the more earthy, peppery, sure. uh, zing side and still call that very Nicaraguan. But this is sort of elevated. Right. 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 So it's, it's refined. There is a pepper zing in there, but it's very refined. And there is a touch of earthiness there, but it's subtle. Right, right. So, and and it it's a really well done cigar. And there, it's it's a little bit, uh, not that the sweetness isn't there, but it's not quite that like super Aganorsa profile. It's not like True. what a Casa Fernandez would bring you. True. Um, so I, I dig it. I mean, yeah, if, if you ha- if you've never uh, tried one, definitely it, definitely worth a, a shot. So, uh, we will be coming back to this, and we will lightly scratch our wewances later in the podcast. Uh, but moving on, we talked about, uh, we, there was a little teaser of Puerto Rican cockfighting. Um, and this, you know, I thought was sort of interesting, just because, you know, we're always talking about, just given the nature of the cigar thing, issues of prohibition and the feds stepping in and, and, you know, making people's uh, lives more difficult than they would otherwise be. I think we're hypersensitive to that kind of stuff. Hypersensitive to that sort of thing. Uh, And if if you're a longtime reader of Cigar Snub, you know that there are, uh, at least in some cultures, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of overlap with the use of tobacco in cockfighting. So there's sort of like a natural tie in there. Um, Anyway, the the feds are are looking at... uh, uh, not looking. Banning. President Trump has a bill on his desk. At least last I checked. For all I know, I don't know what he already signed. The U.S. Farm Bill, um, that would make 
among doing all sorts of other things, would make cockfighting illegal in all U.S. territories, including Puerto Rico. And if you've been to Puerto Rico, uh, you know that this is one of the places where cockfighting is legal and it's allowed. And not only that, but it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty significant, uh, pretty significant industry. There are, you know, like small arenas and, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I think we've, we've talked about cockfighting in the past. Uh, this story from NPR that we're looking at says, uh, and I quote, Officials say the industry accounts for $18 million in economic activity and provides jobs to nearly 30,000 people. So, again, if you have been following the, the, the magazine, you know a little bit about cockfighting, uh, particularly in the, in the Dominican Republic. And if you've been following us for even just uh, a year or so, uh, we did a, a travel story in Puerto Rico. Uh, and we you know, sort of explored a little bit of that, of like how the island is, is still hurting economically after all yeah. those hurricanes that they got hit by. So... Uh, what are the, what are your positions on cockfighting? And then separately, like, is this some, is it something that you would want to see banned? Uh, and then apart from that, and I imagine we're, if we're not on the same page there, we're probably on the same page here. Doesn't it bother you that instead of just voting on banning cockfighting, Congress apparently snuck a cockfighting ban into into a a U.S. farm bill? Yeah, that's always, yeah. That always uh, scratches my wewensi. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but no, you know, I personally, I don't, uh, I'm not a uh, cockfight uh, guy. I, I've never been to one. I don't, it's not, it's not my jam, right? But, but I also like to respect people's cultures. I, I know that that's a sensitive topic when it comes to cockfights, but it's also a sensitive topic when it comes to bullfighting, right? Right. And so I just, I, I see it all as just one giant slippery slope that we keep going down. So we, we just keep going down this slope where we, we start taking things away. Um, and, I, and I get you, I understand the animal activist and, and you know, the, the that rooster... He he doesn't know that he's being used for this, right? So I get all of that, but but I just I, man, the timing on it is so terrible. Uh, at a time the least opportune time for Puerto Rico to have any sort of restriction, especially when it comes to things that bring in money to the island. Uh, it's just that's a rough that's a that's a blow to Puerto Rico right now. Uh, and then to do it in the way that they did it, where they snuck it into the farm bill, just really pisses me off. But um, I don't know. What, how do you feel about it, Ivan? Is there a big difference between cockfighting and dogfighting? Uh, only that the that the dog is a domesticated animal that we kind of see as part of as part of our family. So I think uh, emotionally, people right. have a bigger mm-hmm. attachment than they do to people... livestock. Okay. No, no. Right. Yeah, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a fine line to draw. No, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but I get as it. people make, uh, you know, roosters and chickens and pigs and things, pets, then, yeah, of course, you, you start to blur that line. And we used to have a stylist that had pets. Oh, that my God, were, no. Yeah, no let's not even her? get into the history of but, our stylists yeah, and yeah. their uh, oh, animal boy. activism. But, um... That's an entirely... That's yeah. an episode on to Next itself. time on the Cigar Snob ASMR podcast. Yeah, it's tough. I'm an animal lover, uh... Uh, but I know I understand this is part of people's cultures and, and countries have been doing it for a long time. So I don't know. I I, I guess I don't have a problem with it being banned. Um, but 
I guess that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I, I it it is just you, right? Because you yeah. you don't and I, and live I've, from that business. And I've been to them in person. Yeah. And actually, the last time we were, where were we? We were in the Dominican Republic. We were driving down the street. I was the degenerate gambler, of course, was looking at one of these betting windows, and they have pay-per-view live cockfighting that you can watch on TV. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you can place bets at directly at like like if you're simulcasting <laughs> cockfights. So I mean it's a big part of of these countries like income. There's a lot of money to be made there, but I don't know. Is I'm not sure. Is is cockfighting still happening above board in Cuba? I have no idea. Is Andy still here? Don Andy, Andy, oh, venga. We are live on the Cigar Snob podcast with. Andy Astencio for a brief interview. Hot dog eating champion. Andy is our hot dog eating champion and also uh, art director. Art director <laughs> and what well, I was going to say, and is the the one person here who has spent the most time living in Cuba. We are not sure. Is cockfighting legal in Cuba? Does it happen above board? Does it happen legally? No. You heard it here first. Thank you very much, Andy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so cockfighting does not happen legally in Cuba. Thank you very much, Andy. We will consult you with our next cockfighting question. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know me. I'm the the crazy uh, the government should just not even exist, basically, person. But on an emotional level, yeah, like would I have my would I I do like personally make the distinction with dogs and cockfighting? I wouldn't. I pro- I, I don't think I would have as much of an issue like. If I was, you know, going to a cockfight, I would not go to a dogfight. But I don't. I, I think it should all be legal. I think there's probably other better solutions too. In the same way that like cigarette smoking, right? Like I, I wouldn't sm- I don't smoke cigarettes. I wouldn't smoke cigarettes. I would discourage people from smoking cigarettes. I don't think they should be made illegal. Um, that's just me. Uh, let us know. Have you been to it? By the way, you mentioned you'd been to a cockfight. You talked about yeah. the same. How, how yeah. was it actually being there? I was young. Uh, okay. so, I mean, it was super underground. We had to take like secret roads to get to this place. But oh, I so mean, this wasn't like one of the above board? No, it wasn't. Ooh. No, it was underground. Where, like, where was this? You said this was... It was in the Florida Keys. Oh, that's why. Okay. I thought yeah. we were talking about the DR. Yeah. This was back in the eighties in the Florida Keys. You had to take this like little road off Card Sound Road, got in there. They had a concession stand, the whole nine. It was yeah. like an arena. Uh, it was super cool. Very interesting. Probably, I, probably a lot of shady people in there. Right. But that I couldn't like, judge like right as, behind the like Alabama Jacks. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, but yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, um, it was super impressive as, yeah. at, at that age. Uh, I don't know how I'd feel about going into one nowadays. Right. So. Right. All right. So uh, let us know on Twitter at Cigar Snob Mag or on Facebook or Instagram. But Twitter's probably the easiest thing. What are your feelings on this cockfighting thing? Not only your personal feelings on cockfighting, but whether you're on board with this U.S. farm bill, including the ban on cockfighting in all U.S. territories, especially in light of how that affects Puerto Rico uh, now of all times. Um, Ivan, I'm going to let you take the lead on this because this was your submission. Uh, We have a, a very interesting bit of medical news here, a little bit of a warning for the people. Okay. So tell us. Yeah, so... I was uh, getting my, um, I guess, my daily dose of uh, news this morning, and I ran across this interesting story on Fox News. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fake news uh, of a dude in, uh, <laughs> I think in China, who uh, was hospitalized with a fungal infection in his lungs because he was sniffing dirty socks. Yeah. So I, of course, I clicked on it because I needed to know more information if this was... Uh, Being for... a habitual dirty snuff, snuck yeah. sniffer. <laughs> snuck. Snuck sniffer. Smucking these socks. <laughs> uh, if this came from one sitting or if it was from prolonged sniffing over a, yeah, yeah. Or a long period of time. Listen, you, so. you, you got me. When you sent us a link, I, I did. I read yeah. through it. I, yeah. it yeah. I, thought, I thought it was uh, super interesting. But yeah, it must have been like the socks had to have been sitting for a long time, right? Because the guy inhaled like spores. I don't know. Do you do you get that from one use? So according to according to the you story, you did more research. No, no, no. Just oh, okay. in, the, in that one story, uh, this was like his routine. He would sniff socks every day after work. And what I love about the story is that these uh, I assume it's these Chinese doctors uh, say his. By the way, I, I love this guy's name just in light of all this. When's the scratching? Peng. Peng. So, uh, so the doctors kind of, there was a big stretch to kind of give this guy a little bit of an out. They, they said that his immune system may have been compromised because mm-hmm. he wasn't getting much rest because he was taking care of kids. So mm. I guess that the two of you are really at bigger risk of sock-sniffing infections Clearly. than me. Cause sure. I'm kids. So a warning to the two of you and any other parents out there you have children make sure you get a full night's sleep before you sniff your socks um could you give us an, an impersonation of dr peng <laughs> telling him what could have been i don't, I don't think that's this a... is gonna affect nick's ability to land an oscars hosting gig <laughs> later in the future you know that you're setting him up uh, mr peng uh... <laughs> well, for clarity that was not me that was ivan that was ivan doing mr peng's doctor uh stop sniffing smelly socks <laughs> Oh boy! All righty. So, um, so let us know at Cigar Snob Mag. Do you sniff socks? How long do you let your socks sniff, sit before you sniff? And do you do it every day, or do you give yourself a little bit of a? Break? You know the schmooze is as oh. as he's hearing this, he is googling the best gif for this. Oh, for sure. So we're counting on you, schmooze. Um, so uh, before we move on to. Uh, greener, less sock-infested pastures. Uh, a word from episode sponsor El Galang. El Galang is the maker of Vegas del Purial. Uh, that was announced at the most recent, although by now it's uh, that was back in July at the trade show. Uh, it is the newest addition to the company's portfolio, which includes the core uh, El Galang line, as well as Doña Nieves and extensions of both of those. Vegas del Purial is an homage to El Galang founder Felix Mesa's paternal grandparents, Felipe and Caridad Mesa, who grew up in the Cuban province of Las Villas. The cigar is made at El Galang's Esteli factory and features an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan fillers, and a new hybrid tobacco called FFMC 96. Wait, FFMC is like a great name for ASMR videos. FFMC. Ooh, I forgot the 96. For the binder. That's what the binder is. Uh, it'll be available in four Vitola, or is available in four Vitolas, a 5x50 Robusto, 5.5x52 Bellicoso, a 7x38 Lancero, and a 6 and three quarters by 52 
super toro. The cigars will range or do... I keep saying, well, i got to edit this. Every episode I say I have to edit this copy. The cigars do currently range in price from $8.90 to $10 each. So they're right uh, in that $10 and under sweet spot. Cigars have shipped to retailers. They've been out there since October. So if, uh, if you haven't gotten your hands on these, what are you waiting for? Go out there, get yourself a Vega de Purial, and maybe take a picture and tag El Galang Cigars. That's El Galang Cigars, E-L-G-A-L-A-N Cigars, or go to elgalangcigars.com for information on that brand and all their other stuff. El Galang Cigars, El Galang Cigars, El Galang Cigars. Um, so, while uh, Felix Mesa was developing Vega del Purial, Stephen Miller was plotting his, uh, his hairdo, and he finally debuted it on live television, on one, of the, one of those Sunday morning, was it one of the Sunday face talk the shows? Nation, yeah, yeah. On, face, on Face the Nation, and no boy, less. did he face the nation uh, <laughs> with some pretty awesome spray-on hair. Uh, spray-on haired the nation. How, how certain, because I know he's been getting a lot of shit about the spray-on hair. I don't have a lot of experience with spray-on hair or observing spray-on hair. As the most follically challenged sure. uh, member of the podcast, neither do I. <laughs> the, how, how certain are we that that is spray-on hair? It, oh, looks, it really looks spray-on-y. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't tell you more than just by the same way you look at it yeah. and say, man, that really looks like spray-on hair. Yeah. But no, I, I, I don't know that there's been any definitive except for the pictures of him with a bald head. But uh, I, that doesn't look like a toupee. Right, right. It looks sprayed on. Ivan, what do you have to say about the spray on hair? Did you look it's at e- it? It's, yeah, it's either a spray or a Sharpie, uh, but it definitely looks painted on. Yeah, but it's fuzzy, so that's why it looks... Okay. Yeah, it looks like the felt on the bottom of a cigar box or something. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, which maybe is what he used. Yeah. <laughs> it may not have been sprayed on. It might have just been that he's a smoker, he, you know, smoking a cigar before the show, and he thought, hey, I got some hair right here. It's a smoker. <laughs> he smocked that stuff right <laughs> on his head. Um, anyway, it's comical. It's embarrassing. Like, why yeah. would you even, you so, know you're going to be on national TV. Exactly, yeah. Which is the other thing that blows my mind is, like, you figure, like, the people who work at Face the Nation, maybe, you know, it's maybe it's not their place to be telling their guests, like, oh, that thing looks pretty egregious. Yeah. But dude, you work for the White House. How how has nobody consulted with you on the, and how do you not think like it's you're representing somebody else? How do you not make a phone call real quick and be like, "Hey, you guys cool with spray on hair?" <laughs> is is that something we're doing? But but he's been on TV and on in the public space uh without it for such a long time. Why why even pull that off now? Or why don't you go a more expensive route than sure. just heading over to CVS and Buying a can of hair. <laughs> you no, get that? It's no, not even where you go get because, No, because le, like LeBron, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like LeBron did the whole thing and it looks right. weird on his head. and But you know it might turn into something Eventually more okay, than. Eventually, okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Right. But this is just, all right, you know what? <laughs> CVS let's, can yeah, spray hair. Let's just do this. So. Uh, yeah, it was terrible. At Cigar Snob Mag, go spray some hair on your head and send us a picture. We might just share it. Oh, or wow. just, you know, kind of like And look, that. if you're the schmooze, you don't have to go that far. You yeah. you have your avatar, which has you and your dome. There you and go. Uh, maybe just do it on your avatar. There you go. Have yeah. a little illustrator. So, uh, and if you haven't seen it, do look up Stephen. That's Stephen with a PH. Um, Miller, spray on hair. You're going to get all kinds of stuff. You were listening, Ivan, earlier mm-hmm. to Colbert's bit about it, which was pretty good. Yeah. Colbert 
that uh, he roasted him on yeah. his brown hair pretty, pretty he solidly. Was, he said he looked roasted. like uh, a cross between Eddie Munster and <laughs> something else. Eddie Munster and some baby or something, right? <laughs> yeah. And it uh, kind of does. So, um, all right. Uh, Eric, the last time we did the podcast, uh, we've referenced smocking a few times for people who missed the last podcast. We were talking about Donald Trump's tweet in which he refers to a smocking gun, and we were soliciting responses from people about if we were to adopt smocking as a cigar world term, what would that term mean? We got uh, a response from a very unexpected source. Yes, a very <laughs> unexpected source, the schmooze. Uh, yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't have a lot of reaction to this one. I, I think. I think you more than anything stumped people with this. Like mm. they didn't know what to say. They weren't ready. Because not a lot of response to smocking. But the schmooze, in his uh, reliable, loyal listener self, uh, he uh, he said, smocking is that one guy in the lounge that has to give his in-depth review of what he's smoking to no one in particular. Dot, dot, dot. So that's uh, the schmooze's definition of smocking. Yeah. What did you you said you were going to I know post your and I just I didn't come up with anything definition. solid and uh So you see what, what you I did know. to the entire listening it's audience true. is what you did to yourself. It's true. But we gave them this. We gave them this opportunity. We can give them the platform. You can lead a horse to smocking, but you can't make him smock. <laughs> uh so there's still time. Let us know what smocking should be. Don't let the schmooze monopolize the smock. We got to sure. make sure that this becomes a battle of ideas. You know, we want to, you know, at some point actually like land on a, on a solid answer. For now, the schmooze is winning by default. Uh, we start every podcast with a smocking session and break into some smocking, you know, periodically throughout the podcast. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I don't know if I want to be stuck like turning this into a podcast of smockers. So, I agree. So if you, have a, out. if you have a better idea for what smocking should be, uh, it, it, let it us know. It could be smoke, uh, smelling dirty socks. But it's got to be cigar related. So maybe with while, a cigar. while you smoke with a cigar, yeah, yeah. So maybe if you put a dirty sock filter on the on the tip of your cigar, oof, that's smocking. Yuck! Yeah. Sounds dangerous. Super dangerous, especially. Just with ask those. Peng. Just ask Peng. Uh, I wonder if Peng is a cigar smoker. You think he'd be on the podcast? I think if he was a cigar smoker, he wouldn't have had this problem. It's probably true. Um, so again, at Cigar Snob Mag, let us know what you think smocking should be. Moving on. Miss Universe Spain, uh, for those of you who are not aware, uh, Spain named its first transgender Miss Universe, who did not win in the big Miss Universe thing that went to the Thank Philippines. Uh, Eric, I, th- I could be wrong. I think you're the only one who watched any portion of the of the program. Of the program. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We, I, uh, I got home, and my wife... Uh, Finally gets to sit down and watch TV, and she puts uh, the Miss Universe. So I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's look at hot chicks. Why not? It's what I do for a living anyway. So, and I have two boys at home. So they sat down to look at the hot chicks, too. Little did they know that one of the chicks that was about to come out was not. It was a dude. It was a man, baby. So, <laughs> so yeah, when that, uh, when that person comes out, that... That was disturbing. What, like a, when do they let you know it's a, it's a dude? So they didn't have to let me know personally. As soon as I saw it, I, uh, I was like, okay, that looks less than feminine. <laughs> so 
but yeah, the, after she was a lim- or he or uh, how do you say those things? I, I never know. I'm to, always on the fence. Yeah. Do you refer to them in their what they current, want to be? Well, she was yes. in a Miss Universe. So yeah. when they eliminated her, thank you, Ivan. Okay. When they eliminated of all her, the people to come and police yeah, the language. Yeah. Here. All right. <laughs> can, can, you give us, can you give us your best transgender Chinese doctor voice? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when they eliminated her is when they did this whole little featurette on you know mi- the Miss Universe competition's first ever transgender right. participant. It's very disturbing. I, I, I don't I don't think there is a place for that there. So was she cute? She looked like a like a dude. A cute dude. <laughs> dude, it, well, she was so much uh, her, like her head was so much bigger than everyone else's. Cause it looked like a dude who'd been on steroids or something. Uh, you know, like they get the big ass head, like the Barry Bonds giant head. Uh, yeah, she. It, it looked like a. She's just broad-shouldered, dude. That says a lot for the other contestants in for the Spain. Spaniards. Yeah. Competing that year, then yeah, but you figure out. there's, yeah, there's got to be trying some, to make a point. Yeah, there was a there was a statement pick there for, I, so my scattered thoughts here. Number one, I find this to be more palatable than something where you're, and I don't know whether this uh, her name or uh, this is uh, Angela or Angela Ponce. So I don't know whether Angela Ponce has done the full you know, surgical whatever transition. There's a bikini uh, portion to this. Thankfully, they eliminated her before the swimsuit competition. Or else? Or else we would have had an answer to surgically. But I will say that at at least in in a case like this... (laughs) Miss Spain is bulging. (laughs) At least in a case like this, it's somebody who's coming into this competition at what, unless you're coming in and making... With, with an agenda to how you're judging is at a disadvantage, right? Because if the whole, if part of it is trying to be feminine, you're sort of starting from the, from the men's tee, uh, on this, uh, on this hole. Oh, nice. So you see that last person you thought was going to drop a golf. That's a lot metaphor. of, uh, yeah. Unexpected. Um, uh, very nice. So he's on here today. So in that sense, you know, I guess it bothers me. It's, you know, it's up to whoever organizes that thing to decide what their parameters are. Uh, you know, I guess on the one hand, like it's not the way I would design it, but on the other hand, I think all the pageant stuff is pretty silly to begin with. Like all the, the whole thing of like how do you look in a swimsuit, and then what do you think of like marijuana policy and all that shit. Uh, but it bothers me less than what we, Eric, you and I were talking about uh, when you first brought this story to my attention. Which, uh, if if people haven't checked it out, uh, Fallon Fox was that that uh, fighter. Yes. So Fallon Fox, sort of the opposite thing, like is a dude who had been fighting as a dude, I believe, and then makes this transition and starts fighting in Bellator against women. Uh, and if you haven't seen Fallon Fox fight... Does he dominate? Or domina- does she dominate? Dominated for a long time uh, and then gets uh, beat by the the fight that I would look to is Fallon Fox versus Ashley Evans-Smith. Uh, and Ashley Evans-Smith is a monster with balls bigger than any of us have. She is the woman in this. She the is, real woman. Yes, the born, the born woman. Born woman goes, I think it was like all five rounds or however many rounds it was, 
And what blows your mind is like that they're letting this happen because she is raining down on this on on Fallon Fox, and he's taking the hits. I'm saying he because in this case it's it's hard not to call Fallon Fox he because he's taking the hits like a he. It's very clear, like the everything from you know because when you transition and you do all that stuff after you've gone through puberty, it's not affecting your bone density, the width of your hips, all that stuff. So there you're coming in with a clear advantage, whereas this Angela Ponce person comes into Miss Universe and it's like, hey, I mean, listen, if you can be more Miss Universe-y than these other Miss Universe people, I guess there's something to be said for that. Again, to me, the whole pageant thing is sort of is sort of silly to to begin with. Um, do we have anything else to offer people on Angela Ponce? Don't do that shit. Don't do it. No, don't don't put don't put a dude in a in a women's competition. Don't put a dude in a women's fighting cut. Co- don't do any of that. I, mean, I, I just don't I don't see it. Yeah, it, just it doesn't work for me. I, I think if it creates an unfairness. Yeah, uh, man. I, but was not but again, not in this cool. case, I don't know whether it was unfair to the other competitors in fighting for sure. Well, in that it takes away the spotlight from another female competitor that would have been in uh, in the Miss Universe. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Sure. Yeah. But again, at that point, you're setting the. You know, but Miss... you took away the spotlight from this girl. I know that that uh, for most of us, the pageants are meaningless. But for those right, people, right. they're not. Oh no, no, that they're investing so much time and yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Well, and you know, for some of these for some of these young women, this is their kind of ticket, right, uh, to become somebody. This is, you know, it's, I think this is kind of, pageants are, are maybe on their way out, right? They're maybe going right. the way of the dodo, <laughs> but uh, because now there's so many, there, there's easier ways to have a platform and, and get your name out and be a person uh, that, that weren't there before, right? Yeah. But and still, we, in, in some of these countries, that's the only way that this, yeah. this girl's going to get out there and make a name for herself and this is sort of a this is sort of a tangent but uh you know we're gonna get into some of like the online celebrity type stuff uh later on in the podcast but we even see uh you know even me that i'm the one who's been at the magazine the the least amount of time so the there's been sort of a shift in how models promote themselves you know and and a lot of these people who do these pageants also you know are, are models the rest of the year uh and there's been a shift in how they promote themselves, and uh, and to your point, I, I think that some of that stuff that is pushing pageants and other sort of more like legacy mainstream media stuff, the way of the dodo, uh, is also creating opportunities for some of these people to to actually use real talent and develop real skill while also capitalizing on the fact that they look good. Uh, and there have been a, there have been a, a few models who've who've done work in the magazine. Who are actually really good at some of this, you know, online media stuff, like yeah. uh, Emma yeah. Miller, yeah, and um, Brittany, Emma Miller, Brittany Oldehoff, um, uh, Danielle Knudsen. Yep. Uh, so, just sort of as a as an aside, you know, uh, if uh, if you do follow the magazine and you, you know, there's, I, I'm sure a lot of people are like, you know, searching for these models on Instagram and all that stuff when they pick up the magazine. Oh, I know because they email me. <laughs> right. They email me the, their findings sometimes. Right. Uh, but but yeah, some some of them do you know pretty pretty good interesting stuff like some travel stuff and uh, also like um, uh, Emma Miller does a lot of if I were if I were a woman what would be like very useful fashion stuff because you know I follow them all on YouTube as well and she does a lot of like sort of more instructive along the lines of what we do with style guides in the magazine yeah she does and she does a very good job with it so uh, so to your point yeah there's all sorts of other opportunities for people to, and that, I think that's 
part of what is beginning to push this stuff away as like people's one shot, you know. Um, anyway, so I'm going to take a quick break here for ourselves before we come back with, uh, with more stuff. All right, and we are back from our water and cookie break to uh, a little cookish. Uh, if um, speaking of cookish, just gonna say here the next episode of the podcast will be uh, an interview with Fred Vandermeulier, um, which I'm still pronouncing correctly, I think, um, who, among other things, uh, runs Jay Cortez. Uh, which bought Oliva Cigar in 2016, but uh, also, I understand from Eric, is uh, has ownership stake in some pretty awesome cookie-making. Uh, Jules de Struper. Jules de Struper. If um, you've never had them, have yeah. the almond thin. Holy mackerel, those are good. So keep an eye out for them. If you're out snack shopping and you want to support the cigar world, that's where you go for cookies. Indirectly, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right, so... Shifting to this Patreon controversy, uh, I'll give you guys a little bit of a primer here. So there's been a little bit of a uh, uh, hubbub in the uh, independent online creator world, some of which, uh, the, some of the models that we were just talking about and you know, some of the people who do this, this fashion stuff online use Patreon heavily. So for those of you who are not familiar, Patreon is a platform where uh, if you do stuff online, whether you're writing or creating videos or whatever it gives people an opportunity to support what you're doing and maybe you can offer them some perks and all that patreon is sort of the latest company to get sucked into this uh kind of like meme uh or or theme in the news world of tech companies taking uh action on unpalatable uh speech and and sort of throwing their hat in the ring on like you know well now we're gonna stir the shit here um, specifically, the, the highest profile story there is uh, this guy Sargon of Akkad, who is better known to people who follow like uh, uh, political, philosophical stuff on YouTube, was 10 months ago on a totally unrelated podcast of someone else's uh, and was in the comments section getting all these racist comments from uh, alt-right types and uh, used a bunch of uh, slurs, specifically racial slurs and anti-gay slurs. In context, it becomes clear that what he was doing was saying, hey, you guys are calling me these things. You guys are a bunch of racists. And I know that these are the things that you think are the worst things a person can be, so I'm going to call you these names. In the real world, where things get soundbited, uh, not the wisest move. Um, but Patreon cancels his account, and in a case of somebody like him, like, this is his livelihood. This is something people live off of. Like, that is their full-time income is what they're pulling from Patreon. Um, so without focusing too much on this Sargon of a Cod thing, but this is sort of connected to uh, the Kevin Hart stuff that we were talking about before, uh, what are your general thoughts on what role companies like this, where they're really sort of creating platforms, uh, have in policing speech and what's appropriate and what's not. And this kind of hits close to home for us. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm bringing it back to like, this is the connection here. Because we do rely on platforms that are at least a little bit analogous for our stuff. And the tobacco topics become an issue sometimes. Uh, a lot of times, right? So on Apple, we can't, uh, we can't update our app for the digital magazine because Apple has chosen to uh, ban tobacco 
uh, content. So while they let us have, they let us maintain it sort of grandfathered app that you can still have if you have a phone from like early generation <laughs> Apple. Uh, you know, they don't, they don't let us update it because of the tobacco. So it does hit home. Uh, I obviously don't agree with any of this, right? If, um, you know, if the, if the government wants to do tobacco free Florida or whatever, uh, I, I don't agree with it either, but that's the government. You're a private entity. Uh, I just don't, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with, right. with censoring, uh, content that is not illegal. Like if, if, if someone is doing something, you know, I don't know, sex with animals or, or something like that, that, an illegal act, by all means, don't allow that because you don't want to encourage that activity. But an activity that is perfectly legal for consenting adults, I, don't, I just don't, I don't understand why you would uh, censor it. In this particular case, in the, in the Sargon case, it's a little bit different, in the, you know. But it, in the end, when you distill it down, it is it is the same, right? right? So I think in the Patreon case, I think if they... Like, for example, in our app is an 18 and older app. So a child should not be looking at it. So we've already, there are controls in there uh, to help prevent that. I think if Patreon does the same thing where this channel is uh, is an 18 and older, or I, I don't know how else you would, you would police right, that, yeah. but... Um, I don't agree with these platforms censoring stuff. Yeah, and, and I think, again, comparing it to the uh, Kevin Hart thing, to me, what it also signals is how unwilling so many people are to accept that some of that nuance matters, right? Like, even if you still think, like, okay, these are words that you should just never use, even if your intention is X, Y, or Z, that's fine. That's a position to have, you know, but... Uh, but I think it does make a difference about how outraged you get. In the same way, like Kevin Hart's thing, Kevin Hart's bit about his son being gay was almost like a self-deprecation thing about mm -hmm. like this is an insect, this is a hang-up that I have, yeah, you know. And he's almost making fun of himself and how ridiculous his reaction would be, uh, you know. And this is a little bit analogous in that he's not just running or this this dude wasn't just using these words in the way that like a racist would use them. It was more like you know if you'd be you know calling a calling a Nazi uh, Jewish slur. Because you know that'll piss him off, or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, Let me ask you: Is uh, Sargon's uh, Patreon account is it's big? It's got a big following. Uh, I don't know how big it had gotten, but he does have a big following. So I imagine it was a substantial. Yeah, if not all, it was a good chunk of his of his so income. Does that, that he lived does that mean from. that anyone's Patreon account that has unsavory language in the comments will also get? Uh, canceled or closed? So, yeah, so my, my understanding was that part of why this was significant is that Patreon, and, and this is another thing, right? You're you're right, it's it's not a government, so they're a private company, they can do what they want. But when, especially when you're entering into an agreement with them about you making your money there, there's some amount of responsibility on their end too to hold to their end of whatever the deal is. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think their terms of service were that we're applying these rules about what's actually on Patreon on your thing, right? So we're policing this according to what you're doing on our platform. He was on a YouTube hangout that wasn't even his. He was like on somebody else's show saying this stuff, right? So it's like if it's like if they heard that you had done something, I don't know, being interviewed about some Cuba thing outside of Isaias, and then Apple comes around and says like, oh, well, you said this thing, and so we're going to affect your cigar snob stuff over here. Ridiculous. Right. So, 
So anyway, yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's a super pointed question here, but Ivan, what are your, where do you stand here? And what are you pulling from your Chinese accent Patreon account? Yeah, no, these uh, these companies shouldn't be policing that. Of, of course, if, it, if the guidelines state uh, that there's certain content, whatever type of pornography or what have yeah, you that right. shouldn't be allowed, of course. But if this guy wasn't even using it on his channel and uh, it was mostly user-generated uh, material that was on there and opinions that are, that is getting this guy shut down, that's... That's totally wrong. Yeah. And to your point about this, so there, there isn't pornography on Patreon, but there is stuff that comes right up to that like erotica porn yeah. line on Patreon. Uh, the In terms of, uh, by the way, the terms of service, they change it whenever the hell they want. Right. So you may have started with a, with a particular uh, channel uh, idea and they change the terms of service on you. And now you're, I mean, I know that that's not the case here, but they can change them whenever they want. Right. So even that uh, is pretty lousy. But in this case, this is absurd that the guy was uh, making comments on a YouTube hangout. Right, right, right. And gets his Patreon account shut down. But uh, back to that, it is a private company. Just like Apple, they can do whatever the hell they want with their platform. Right. Uh, in our case, what it has caused us to do is we've uh, we've moved people to a separate platform to issue. Right. To a different platform. That doesn't have all of that. That's what I was going to say. I mean, yeah. in this case, uh, the next Patreon competitor will just, you know, open it up to, you know, a free-for-all. Right? Yeah. I mean, that is and, how the free market works, get, right? Yeah. So you, you move to to the place where, where you are allowed. Yeah. Certainly, yeah. That's how the free market works. But it's also like you just... But Patreon is dominant in Patreon that space. Patreon is dominant. And, and there's also something to be said for like, like Apple is not, eating that, not eating that shit and... And for in the interest of there being some stability, because, because yeah, you can have a problem every week, and the the market will address it. And I'm the first one to be on board with that argument. But there's also something to be said for the longevity of comp. Like you know, tech is generally like uh, you know one of the least regulated in- environments. And there's something to be said for the benefits of like an IBM or a Microsoft having been around for as long as they have, and there being a certain predictability and, and dependability and stability in that market. Yep. Um, so anyway, uh, if you got something to say about that, by all means, tweet us. Let us know that we were right or wrong or whatever it is. Uh, let's smock about it a little bit. Uh, shifting to other private company stuff, what private companies do you guys go to or private products do you buy? There's a clunky segue here. Super. Yeah. Uh, we are coming up on Christmas. This is, uh, this is more or less Christmas gift buying crunch time. Yeah, you're... You're kind of going up against the, the clock here. Yeah. So so we're coming up to that point where, like, if you have people on your list. Oh, shit. Th- th- that are in that oh, shit list. Like, what do I get this person? I don't know. What is your last ditch shopping stop? Is there, whether it's online or brick and mortar, where do you go to, like, okay, I'm going to find stuff for a significant number of people here that, that will work as sort of a last ditch effort? What you got? You just reminded me, whenever I have to, I don't buy much, thank God. That was one of the only perks of getting married was not having to buy gifts for everyone. Right. So my wife takes care of that, thank God. I'm in the same The war, The one perk you get from being married, except you have to get her a gift. And I have to, <laughs> she's, I don't think what? she's, she's not listening. Thank God. <laughs> don't tell my wife, guys. <laughs> Uh, but I do have to buy a bunch of uh, Christmas cards, right? That's your responsibility? That's my last-minute 
shopping is usually having to go into a Walgreens or CVS and buy uh, Christmas cards. And I always end up doing every year once I end up getting my cards and having to pay 30 bucks for five or six cards. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? When did Christmas cards get so expensive? Yeah. Next year, I'm buying them ahead of time, you know, on probably clearance. online on clearance. And then I don't have to be in this. What's uh, clearance, clearance? I don't have to be in this spot, but I'm I'm back in it again this year. So um, yeah, it's probably a CVS or Walgreens. That's uh, one Christmas way to card. dodge the question of where do you go? To buy? Yeah, but you don't buy the gifts, right? So that's yeah. What are you gonna do? The uh, Groupon. <laughs> Groupon, solid, that's good. Uh-oh. Yeah, no, I, I don't buy gifts uh, either. Uh, however, when I do have to like run and get a last minute cheap. Chinese electronics, Ooh. you know, battery banks, you know, backup mm. batteries, little uh, portable, uh, like Bluetooth speakers. Call up Peng. Call up <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, Bluetooth speakers, those are always uh, a useful gift. Yeah. Stuffing, uh, stuffing, stuffing. Stuffing, <laughs> stuffing stockers. Yeah, I've got my smock. The smocking has thrown off my uh, <laughs> my pronunciation. But uh, but yeah, that's a that's a stocking stuffer of choice there for me. Yeah, I I my move is the bookstore because there's enough variety there. Like when you have people Fucking who are Nick. no, because you have like people who you know are readers. You can get them something like that's or people who are not. And there's always like you know cool coffee table book type stuff. Like right here, they're easy to wrap. Is the other thing that is very true. I went easy to, to a, wrap a I book. went to a party this uh, this weekend, and there was a. Um, an interesting uh, Secret Santa exchange where you're allowed to steal people. Like the white elephant. It was it was the white elephant, yeah. and um, one of the one of the gifts was a, a Michelle Obama book, Ooh. which was great because you have some people that were like yeah. the the person who won it was a like a young kid whose mother was there, or oh, I'm sorry, it was whose dad was there, and super as soon conservative as, dad. So when he got it, he goes, "You're not reading that." <laughs> right <laughs> but i was next to a couple of uh girlfriends of mine who were like oh my god i want that <laughs> so it was interesting you know now that you mentioned the books that's so. not a bad white elephant like get a controversial gift yeah yeah you want to throw that in there stir stir the pot some yeah it's, it's always like you know bottle of wine or bottle whatever and those are just like everybody wants one of those but no that's a great idea like the what would what would be your controversial gift? So I have the the book on the brain now, right? So there's that. You, I mean, you controversy now. It's like you always think of like political controversies. So there's like book by such and such a polarizing figure. Yeah. Uh, oh, make make America great again. Hat. Oh, MAGA hat. Yes. MAGA hats are good. Yeah. Any anything That's involving nudity, one. right? Like the the hot potato of like, what am I supposed to do with this? Uh, True. There's that. So let us know. Controversial gift. What what controversial gift would you throw into your white elephant? At Cigar Snob Mag. That's where you want to send that. Also let us know. So ESPN tweeted a uh, fun little image um, prompting people to come up with their bowl game names. So the idea here is last place you shopped, last thing you ate, bowl. So, yeah, the idea is to na- name your own yeah bowl game correct so what'd you guys come up with where are we now what are our bowl games if we're so, starting our tournament now 
So read that again. What are the... It's last place you shopped. Last place you shopped. Last thing you ate. Bowl. So so mine would be the Best Buy Honey Mustard Chicken Sub Bowl. That's good. Which is why I, I was tasting honey, honey mustard. mustard on who, my... Who, who's playing in that? Ooh. That's good, too. Ooh. The, uh, the, the, uh, what are the hens? Is there something yeah, the fighting Delaware. Hens? Is it Delaware? Yeah. So Delaware fighting hens. The, f- the uh, fighting honey mustard against, hens. Uh, against the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. Nice. Ooh. Nice choices there. Yeah. Puerto Rican I... cockfighters. <laughs> <laughs> the University of Puerto Rico fighting cocks. Uh, all right. What so what, mine's what? the, um, all right. It's the Amazon Prime truffled tuna and red onion pizza bowl. That's what you had? Yeah. It, were Christ. those two separate items, or did you have truffled tuna on your red onion pizza? Yeah. That's what you had? Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting pizza. It was actually delicious. I'd never, I'd never had it before. No, no, I ordered it. It was, it was awesome. What'd you order? So it was a leftover you had today? Yeah, Ironside. Ironside uh, pizza? pizza? Yeah, really good. Oh, huh. shit. That's what I missed yesterday. Yeah. Wow. All right. Who's playing in that? Mm. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, it's got to be like the Oregon Ducks against. Uh, it's like a foie gras pizza? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm saying. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the so, against the San Jose State. Sure. Miners. I don't know. How about the Chippewas? I just like saying Chippewas. Chippewas. Mm, it's good. Mm. Chippewa. Chippewa. Ooh, that is. Did you notice that he finished that oh, ASMR yeah. with a Donald Trump? Yes. You saw that? Yeah, there's, there's no visual here. <laughs> there's no but, visual, yeah. but we can see your Donald Trump. So uh, I was just talking about the, the book buying. So uh, I would be, uh, I got the Books and Books Cauliflower Rice Bowl. You had <laughs> cauliflower rice and nothing else? No, I had, I had uh, uh, wild Alaskan salmon. Ooh. On the cauliflower rice, but that sounded like too long a name, so I left it in cauliflower rice. What's the nickname for that bowl? bowl? Is it like the nerd fart bowl? <laughs> <laughs> the nerd fart bowl, I love That's that. That's really good. It <laughs> uh, <laughs> wasn't cauliflower. Didn't I read somewhere cauliflower was like recently recalled? Yeah, I have E. coli. So you have E. coli, <laughs> so it's also the, the nerdy coli shits bowl. Uh, and as long as we're doing who's playing in it, um, I've had a little more time than the two of you to think about it. Uh, I think I'm going some of that like pretentious hipster that would eat cauliflower slash wholesome person who is into books and books. So mm-hmm. hipster was like Portland, Portland University. I, yeah, I was, I was going to go uh, Stanford BYU. Oh. Okay. That's where I was going with Ooh, that. The old Mormon Bowl. Yeah, the yeah. Mormon Bowl. Cool. So, uh, all right. Before we get into uh, our sponsor break, last time for the cigar, where are we with this? It's been pretty consistent for me. It has. Uh, I think a lot of, but now I think I'm farther along than, than both of you guys. And by now, uh, I'm, I'm towards the end here. And uh, all the sweetness has really dropped off. And I'm, at, uh, I'm really at uh, a lot of pepper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the wood is no longer like that sweet cedar. It's transitioned to... Uh, to a more generic wood at this point, but I, I really am at the end of it. Uh, and the, the strength, uh, 
I think leveled off. It did for me. It didn't. It, it did. didn't continue uh, increasing. So I, I would I would tag the strength at a medium. Yeah, that's that sounds uh, about right end. to me too. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it all the way through, and and the transitions always I always enjoy that. So uh, so yeah, good smoke. Yeah, Ivan, this is a good cigar to pair with some. Uh tuna and red yeah. onion pizza no but seriously a little rum right now would have been nice yeah yeah why are we going sure. dry i don't know yeah i don't know i don't make the rules here i'm just i just host the thing damn all right um all right before we get into our parting <gasps> recommendations a rum from our sponsor drew estate introducing the herrera esteli brazilian maduro which features a dense plantation grown magafina wrapper over a connecticut river valley broadleaf binder with fillers from nicaragua Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera and presented in five vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. All right, as we always do, we're ending this episode with our parting recommendations. This is where we let you know some things that we think you should watch, do, smoke, eat, buy. Ivan, what do you got? Okay, um, so when we went to Italy last year um, for our general photo shoot and uh, travel Italian tra- travel story. Yeah, that November issue. Yeah, we were in Florence, and I went into this restaurant and had the most amazing uh, olive oil and balsamic vinegar that they just had on the table. It was like the house, like balsamic and, uh, and olive oil. No, not at all. I took a picture of it, brought it back, and I came around to actually buying it now off of Amazon. It's a little pricey, but it is awesome. It's called Marchesi de Frescobaldi Laudemio, extra virgin olive oil. I like the attempt at, at oh, yeah. Italian pronunciation. That was nice. I was trying to say it in Chinese. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's light, it's citrusy, uh, smooth. A uh, little nutty. It's delicious. You gotta, you gotta try it. It's pricey though. It's like twenty-seven bucks uh, for like a sixteen-ounce bottle, but it's, it's worth it. It's awesome. Did you do like pizza drizzle? Is that how you, you can, used it? you can no, but put what, it on? What, but what did you do? Is, is that your, what, what, what have your use been your so move? far? Uh, I like to dip bread in it. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, throw it on some salad. Uh, top off some pizza. Uh, cool. It's awesome for anything. Probably not cooking with it because it's so expensive, right, but, right, but just right, to right. top off and drizzle and stuff, it's great. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going with a movie that is in theaters now. I went and saw, this is one of the rare PG movies uh, that we recommend here on the podcast, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, which was surprisingly good. Uh, it's one of those movies that's, uh, that's rated PG and it's clearly done like you know so that kids can watch it and enjoy it, but... Uh, if you're an adult person, uh, you will, I think, also be into this. This is, uh, to me, you know, one of the better comic book movies, period. And it says something because there have been so freaking many of them. Uh, the, uh, visually, the art in this thing is pretty impressive. Um, I, I heard somebody on another podcast describing it that, or, or pointing this out. Uh, that is sort of a, like the superhero genre has sort of been like characterized by uh, this extreme realism. Right, like everybody just kind of looks like they're in a funky costume, and they're like like normal places, but they're they're in New York or they're, and this is set in New York as all Spider-Man things are, but like the colors and all that stuff, like it feels like you're watching a, 
comic book in movie form. Uh, so that was really cool. Uh, and then the characters are, you know, in large part, you know, more relatable. Like, so part of the plot line is that all these different Spider-Men or Spider-Man people from different dimensions show up in one. And one of them is Spider-Man from the future. So it's like overweight, divorced, slightly depressed Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, Hence Spider-Verse. Right? Exactly so, right, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I would recommend going and seeing that. Uh, especially like if you, you know, have, have kids who, who want to go and see a, a superhero thing, this is, this is the move. Cool. Yeah. I'm de- I, uh, when you told me about it yesterday, I definitely want to get in on that. Yeah. My kids will dig that. Uh, so for me, I had, uh, I had a birthday recently and my dad gave me. Hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you for birthday. the horn. Uh, thank you. But uh, but no, my dad gave me this uh, Blackstone twenty eight inch uh, griddle cooking station. Ooh 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 ooh. Oh, there's a little ASMR for you. I like mm. that. No, but uh, but I used it for the first time last night, and man, loved it. Totally loved it, and immediately I made I, I made uh, I just chicken with onions and garlic, and yeah, it worked great. I mean, I was able to cook all that. Uh, all of the chicken for everyone at the house uh, in in one quick, easy way. Uh, but I immediately started thinking about what else uh, you can do to it, right? You can do on it. So uh, I loved it. Loved it. So recommend the recommendation is the Blackstone 28-inch griddle cooking station. Good stuff. All right. Anything else we want to throw out before we get out of here? Nope. Get your ASMR on. I'm not going to do that the whole time. No. Thank you for listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. Again, I'm Nick Jimenez, joined by Eric Calvino and Ivan Ocampo. And uh, you can find us on social media. Search for Cigar Snob Mag or go to cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast for past episodes of the podcast. Use the shop tab once you're there to subscribe to the print magazine. Um, and uh, yeah, rate and review us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to this thing. All that stuff. Thanks for listening. Bye. All right. Later.